Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament. We're working through it pretty much a chapter at a time, although today we're going to cover two chapters. And uh, we're well in. We're three years in to our study. We've covered the Gospels and uh, the book of Acts. And now we're digging into the letters that Paul wrote because we just kind of had studied uh, the missionary journeys in the book of Acts. And uh, the, and we're, we're looking at the letters that Paul wrote in the order we believe he wrote them, so not really in the order that they're, they appear in the canon, but in the chronological order that we think Paul wrote them, uh, as he was uh, in the midst, of, in the middle of his journeys back and forth to the churches, he's writing these letters in response to questions that are being raised uh, in the different churches. Remember, when, you, when you're reading the, the letters that Paul wrote, there was a reason behind the writing, something had been going on, there was a situation, he'd been given questions to answer, uh, you have a brand new church um, with a lot of questions, these, a lot of these people that Paul deals with have no previous experience uh, in any type of church uh, activity or, or religious activity, um, and so there's a lot of questions that are popping up, and, and so questions are coming to Paul, and Paul's trying to answer them. And uh, so he writes back into those things. And so as you look at um, these letters, you know, hold that in, in the context of what's going on because without a context of why they're being written, we can, we can take those verses and we can attempt to make them say things that they're really not saying. And that's what we need to be careful of. And this letter that Paul writes, 2 Corinthians, is a very, very personal and intimate letter. And um, Paul becomes very transparent in this letter, which is, a, which is a major deal, and it's kind of the theme of the letter, and it's really the main thing I want to talk about, as we, even as we look at two chapters today. Uh, and and he, he hits on some really important principles that all of us need to understand in this walk that we're in with Christ, um, because we're all called to be... Um, uh, you know, in the ministry. It's not just people up front. We're all called to be ministers in the ministry, out doing the things in the kingdom. And Paul um, gives us some very, uh, a huge understanding of a very important fact that most people miss. And, and what he's going to do is he's going to allow people to see uh, who he really is and even see his weaknesses because he feels that's how they're going to come to see Jesus. And that's a huge deal. You'll hear me talk about that a lot today. That's a significant thing. Um, we often think that if people see our weaknesses, that, uh, that they, they're going to judge us, be critical of us, and we won't have any ability to, to move into their lives. Think about the Apostle Paul. He's constantly being attacked by people, um, and, and they're, they're constantly questioning his, his authority in the church and why he's doing the things he's doing. And... His position fascinates me because what he does is rather than respond from his authority and from his strength, he kind of magnifies his weaknesses and he lets them know, well, these are the things that I struggle with and these are the issues that I have and I'm far from perfect. And, and uh, uh, you got to know that his enemies are going to take advantage of that. But, but here's, I'm going to say this and I'll, I'll say it several times because here's what you need to get. See, what we're shooting at in, in this walk is, is not that we work really hard to um, appear on the outside as though we have everything together um, because cause that's not what's going to change anybody. What people need to be able to see uh, isn't, isn't what's going on on the, us on the outside. What they need to be able to see is Jesus working in and through us. 
And see, they see that in our weaknesses. They see that as we struggle. They see that in, um, not in, you know, looking polished and, and all having it all together, because we're not. They see it, they see Jesus working in us and through us in spite of who we really are. And see, that's what Paul was demonstrating, and that's huge, because it's, uh, it's, it's not often uh, copied in the church today, and yet it was his format for how this is supposed to work. We're sinners, all of us, um, we're, we're all twisted in certain ways where we're far from being the people that we want to be or that God would intend us to be. We're in process. We're, we're not where we need to be or would like to be. We're in process. And, and God is in the, in, the, in the process of transforming us. See, he's in the business of change and transforming us. We're being transformed, Paul will tell us, uh, into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. We're being transformed. See, that's what people need to be able to see. That's when they get figured out that Jesus does it. If you come up and you act all polished like you have it all together, then people look at you, they don't see Jesus. And, and that's too often the face that's put on the church. It's what was happening in Corinth. These people who looked very polished and, and looked very authoritative and who were very eloquent had shown up and were, were, were spouting lies telling people that it was about symbols and external things and they needed to be circumcised and needed to follow the law if they were going to make it. And Paul's saying, they're not telling you the truth. That's not real. And rather than try and match them, you know, authority for authority, he says, and, and you can see that Jesus is working in me because I'm a mess in a lot of ways. And so when you looked at Paul, you saw Jesus. See, that's the deal. That's what, that's what has to happen to us when people look at us. They need to see Jesus, not us. They need to see that the reality is we're in process. We're a mess, but we're, we're in process. None of us has it all together. None of us. And, and we have to be open and real about that stuff. We have to, it, you know, admit that we, we struggle, that we have issues, that, that we, we haven't got this thing figured out. So that, so that when we do the things that we should do, it's Jesus who's doing it through us because we, we get it, that that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, do you still struggle? I struggle with stuff all the time. I struggle with knowing what I should do and still don't want to do it. And then, and then hopefully I'll do it anyway because I know it's the Lord that wants me to do it and that's him doing it through me. But my nature oftentimes is very selfish. I'm, I'm very lazy. I don't want to deal with a lot of, there's a lot of stuff I don't feel like dealing with. I don't, I don't know how to be any clearer than that. I, my initial reaction is, Ugh. now over time, and fortunately I'm getting a little older now, I've learned to at least mask that part most of the time and be silent <laughs> and pray that Jesus moves quickly so that my response is better. But the response, the, the better response, it's Jesus moving in me. It's not me. It's not my nature. And that's what you hope people connect with. I, I can't. Do you get it? We can't save anybody. We can't heal anybody. We can't fix anybody. We can't, do, we can't do a thing. All we can do is let them know and introduce them to the one who can. And here he is. It's Jesus. It's not me. I can listen to you. I can talk to you. I can pray for you. But I, I got nothing. Unless it's him working through me. I'm still a mess. I'm still, I'm still working on stuff that I thought I'd be done working with. I mean, he's worked in me some. I'm glad. But there's still long way to go I'm in process just like you and God's in this process of see and we're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory we're getting it's working it just takes a while how long does it take it doesn't happen until Jesus comes back that's the answer you're embarking into something that you'll never achieve until Jesus comes back 
So the, the best you can do is the best you can do. That's all you got. You never hit there. So you, you sign up for this deal in Christ knowing that, that you, you want to be more like Jesus, but you're only going to make it so far as the Spirit takes you. Now there's cool moments when he... Don't you, isn't it cool? See, now with that understanding, isn't it cool when you know how you would respond and yet you've responded completely differently because it was Jesus? And you go, well, that was cool. Because that's not what I wanted to do at all. <laughs> and yet you go, well, I think the Lord's doing something. And then, see, that's what, so that's what people see. That's what Paul does in these chapters. That's what I want you to see. We could talk about a lot of stuff. I want you to see Paul being transparent, transparent throughout 2 Corinthians because of the impact that it has. Because nobody else did it and people don't pick it up today a lot of people miss it they, they, they think that the way we impact is by polishing the exterior and it doesn't work it doesn't work all we get then is other people trying to polish their exteriors because they think that's what they're supposed to do and they don't change inside they don't it doesn't change so Paul, remember, he's, he's a leader. He's called to be an example. And we're going to see in these that he actually talks about taking the veil off that so many people think that they need to put on when they're Christians to hide sort of who they really are. And, uh, uh, he, but he didn't because, uh, as, see, here's the thing. As other people saw Jesus working in Paul, then they would have hope to know that Jesus could work in them as well. And, and Jesus certainly did work through Paul. Um, as, as broken as Paul was and as big as mess as Paul was, um, Jesus showed up in Paul's life pretty significantly because he changed, you know, I mean, Jesus changed the world, but Paul changed the church and spread it throughout. So that's what happened. Um, there's a cost that Paul was recognizing to being that kind of Christian, that kind of believer, because people will use your weaknesses against you. That's okay, it's part of the deal. Um, but, you know, hanging on to them or trying to act like you're, you're something that you're not is just a self-protection. It's pride and it, it doesn't work in the kingdom. So uh, my hope is that as we read these chapters and discuss that, that it'll help all of us to just be more real and, and uh, um, that people can see Jesus more clearly. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, I'm going to read them both, starting in verse 1. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad... Uh, but you whom I have grieved. I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy, for I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he's grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he'll not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, pardon me, I've got to stop. I don't, I don't normally stop. Um, see, in my twisted mind now, I get a kick out of that because Paul has said to them, you need to straighten this guy out. For a long time, we thought it was the incestuous guy, but they don't really think that's who it is anymore. There was another issue going on. Paul says, straighten this guy out, and so the, the body <laughs> apparently straightens him out by doing what they're supposed to do. And, uh, and then he says, okay, that's enough. <laughs> you need to stop now and let him in. He's repented, bring it back. And we'll talk about that more because that's pretty important. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you'd stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us. 
for we're not unaware of his schemes. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we're the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life, and who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. Chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that your letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so the, that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is a ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at, the, at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Let me just make a quick few points. In 2 Corinthians 2, um, Paul picks up again on the, on the reason why he changed his plans. Remember, uh, and it was a big issue in, in the first chapter because Paul had said he was going to go and then he didn't go. He changed his plans when he said he was going to go. And the, um, the false leaders at the time in Corinth said, look, if you can't trust Paul's plans, then you can't trust anything he said. If you can't keep his word, then you shouldn't listen to anything you have to say. And Paul's saying, look, things came up, situations came up that I had to take care of. And one of them was I wanted to give you some time to deal with some of the issues that were raised in, in our previous letter. Uh, there were some things that you needed to take care of. And, and uh, and as I said, as we read that, apparently they had, in the time been given, decided to do something about some of the issues. To the point where Paul said, okay, now, <laughs> now you need to go love on that guy a little bit. He's repented. You need to bring him back in. Um, uh, and that's something, too, we need to be aware of. Because the church, we have this thing where, and again, it's, a, it's part of our own mess, um, 
we get something out of sometimes correcting other people. Like we feel, make, feels better about ourselves. You ever know that's why gossip is so powerful and all those things. We, we judge other people and we, we bond inappropriately because of that. Um, even when we go to correct people, the, the reason behind ever correcting anyone in the church is reconciliation, is you want them restored to Christ and you want them restored to fellowship. And so it needs to be done with that in mind. And as soon as there's repentance demonstrated on the person that you're, you're moving towards, reconciliation needs to begin to take place. Now, repentance is more than words. I want to say that repentance is demonstrated change. Repentance is a change of mind, it's a change of heart, it's a change of purpose. And we need to see that in people because it's, it's as you, everybody here knows, if someone points out something new, it's very easy to say, okay, well, I won't do it anymore. Um, but it's much easier to say that than it is to follow through on that. I mean, everybody would agree with that, right? So repentance isn't saying, oh, okay, I won't do it. Repentance is not doing it and then demonstrating it over time that you get it while you're not going to do it. Um, because you have a change of mind, heart, and purpose. That's repentance. When that's visible, in even the beginning stages, um, then, then reconciliation needs to begin to take place so that people know there's hope and a way back in. Not, well, you blew it, you're done. Because if that's the standard, guess what? None of us can be here. Right? We, we've all messed up, so we're done. But it's not. We, we get chances and opportunities and correction, and if we, if we repent, which is the whole deal... We make progress and we move on. So, so that's primarily what he's talking about in chapter 2. That's the big part of it. He's saying, look, um, you, I didn't come because of this. That's why. You need to know that. You can still listen to me and, uh, and the things that I said to you. And, and I'm glad that you made some movement, but make sure you're, you're moving in those things appropriately and loving people back into the context of community, which was what 1 Corinthians was all about. Now, chapter 3, he makes these neat comparisons between the old and the new covenant that, that I want to touch on for a few minutes. And he actually, he contrasts his ministry with the ministry of Moses, which is fascinating, I, I think. Um, and he, he writes that the old uh, covenant had a fading glory that can't be compared to the splendor of the new covenant ministry of inner transformation that takes place in Christ through the Spirit. See, in the new covenant, um, we have uh, in Christ the spirit at work in us changing us, transforming us something they didn't have in the old covenant the old covenant just was that you, basically you're bad and there was no, nothing you could do about it um, it, was, it's, it brought death it was, it was still God trying to bring things back into balance and order and making us aware of our need for a savior but, but the old covenant and the new covenant were, were completely different because in Christ, through the Spirit, in the new covenant, we have this transformation that's going on inside of us. We have hope that we can change in Christ. Verse 12, therefore, since we have such a hope, the hope of transformation and change in Christ, we're very bold, Paul says. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from grazing, glaze, gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. All right, this is, I, I like this. This, I think, is very interesting. What would happen when Moses would enter the tabernacle of God and come out to return to the Israelites? He would come out, he would have a noticeable, visible radiance that came off of him from this time that he had with God. It was visible to the people, to the point where they really couldn't even hardly look at it. Um, and, and, and so this radiance and splendor could be seen by the Israelites. Now, Moses, if you remember, was leading a group of people that were a lot like the Corinthians. They were constantly complaining about and challenging the leadership of Moses. 
so if you read it, this was a constant thing with Moses. Okay, so you have to imagine for Moses that the visible radiance of God's glory coming off of him went a long way into quieting the Israelites when Moses had something to say. Don't you think? I mean, if someone's glowing, (laughs) you're probably going to stop and listen a little more effectively, especially if you know it's not like radiation or something. You've seen them come out of, you know, an encounter, and they're glowing now. They've got your attention. Well, Well, Moses would come out with his radiance. He would glow. But what would happen is that it would start to fade. So what Moses did was he put a veil over his face so they couldn't see that it was fading. Do you get what Moses was doing? He wanted them to think that he was still bursting with radiance so they continued to listen because they listened better. They quit complaining. They quit, you know, constantly doing the things they were doing they shouldn't be doing because (sighs) that guy glows. You think it took that? I mean, Moses did a whole bunch of stuff. You think they would have got it along the way that he didn't have to glow. I mean, parting the sea should go for a little way. Don't you think (laughs) that if a guy does this... But it didn't even last like 24 hours. They were... they were like, there's no salt here. Ah, dry. <laughs> I think about it, I go, really? That's what your complaint is? It's not even good for you. <laughs> not, hey, we don't have to make bricks anymore and the yoke of slavery after four. There's no salt here. There's no water. We're thirsty. There's no meat. We're sick of quail. We're sick of, we're sick of manna. Can you, never mind. Okay, so... So he would hide himself. In contrast, though, and this is the contrast Paul makes, he says uh, this in verse 16, but when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. What Paul is saying is, look, he's not gonna hide behind any veil or any pretense or any mask or, or, or any, you know, dictatorial authority, he's going to allow the Corinthians and anybody else to see who he really is in Christ so that they'll be able to see Jesus in him. So that's the whole contrast that he's making there with Moses and the covenants. Um, Jesus is not seen in how together we try and act like we are. Jesus is seen by how he's working in us and through us in spite of our weaknesses. So Paul, as you'll see, and as you've seen, was very open about his weaknesses, and as he revealed them, he was revealing the power and reality of Jesus who was at work in him through the Spirit, being changed by the Spirit and radiating the Spirit without having to pretend or hide or be something that he wasn't. And that's what he wants all of us to do in the kingdom. And we'll stop there. If you're watching by video, thank you very much. You're on television. God bless you. Thank you for spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is, and we appreciate these 30 minutes that you give us. And uh, if you need anything, call us, write us, email us, keysvineyard.com. Check us out, and uh, we'll do whatever we can. So thank you for being with us. We're going to close here tonight in prayer.